0: through these, this 20 years of studying these ancient mystical teachings, I was still confused about one thing. And that was, I thought I could make myself better and that there was something wrong with me. And if I could just figure out what was wrong with me, then I would enter into the golden light and forever be perfect, you know, and that that was the way that I was fundamentally effed up and broken. And I started to realize through Jungian depth psychology that that actually it was the dark parts of me the broken parts the scared parts and even the unhealthy sick parts that were the portal into awakening and and understanding that real enlightenment holds light and dark
1: welcome to the brain fitness podcast i'm your host dr patrick porter please join us on our mission to better a billion brains enjoy the episode and remember to share it with your family and friends Hello, Brain Tap Nation. This is Dr. Patrick Porter here with the Brain Fitness Podcast. We're here to teach you about different techniques, technologies, or things you might not know about that are actually affecting your world from the inside out, from the world of your consciousness to the world of your physiology. Today, we have a very special guest, someone I've known for quite a number of years. She's actually on the platform of BrainTap. She is a as a relationship expert, but she goes way beyond that. And she has a new book out that I really am gonna encourage you. By the end of this conversation, you're gonna to wanna to go and buy this book. We'll make sure that the links to that book are in, this, in the notes. It's called Glowworthy where he practices for awakening your inner light and loving yourself as you are broken, beautiful, and sacred. And who I'm talking about is Katie Selkic, who's a New York Times bestselling author on the healthy, happy, sexy, which is always a three good words people love to hear. So so tell us a little bit about yourself, Katie, and tell us a little bit about why you wrote this book.
0: Yeah. So I always tell people when I talk about this book, the original title of the book was Holy and we, we called it Glow Worthy because that seemed to fit a little better later on down the line. But But I called it that because it was really a personal journey that I'm still very much on of realizing that, you know, you and I are very similar, Dr. Porter, like long journey, long health journey, super scientific mind. I, I, before I became an Ayurveda expert and teacher, I worked in artificial intelligence. I'm super interested in how human groups make decisions and how we can manipulate how our brain is being manipulated. And, and, and I started to realize that after 20 years of doing, tantric yoga and meditation, something was really missing. And what I found out is that, of course, the ancient teachings were saying this all along, but through this 20 years of studying these ancient mystical teachings, I was still confused about one thing. And that was, I thought I could make myself better and that there was something wrong with me. And if I could just figure out what was wrong with me, then I would enter into the golden light and forever be perfect, you know, and that that was the way that I was fundamentally effed up and broken. And I started to realize through lots of different things, but namely Jungian depth psychology, that, that actually it was the dark parts of me, the broken parts, the scared parts, and even the unhealthy sick parts that were the portal into energy that were the portal into awakening and, and understanding that um, real, real enlightenment holds light and dark. And so I wrote this book because my students kept asking me, is there a tantric book that you would recommend? And I was just like, well, that word is a little loaded. And, and, and so I wrote the, the tantra manual that I, that I wanted and that I needed. And, And and that's really what Glow Worthy is about. It's about awakening to the light that you actually already are.
1: That's awesome. Yeah. And I, I think that we're hearing this a lot within people. And we always say reframe your past. In my first book, I have a chapter that I always get questioned on. Typically, if somebody's read it, it says I was blessed to be the son of an alcoholic. (laughs) <laughs> obviously, when I was going through that, I wasn't feeling blessed. No, but we have to take those those parts of ourselves. It doesn't do me any service to say "poor me." But what can I learn from that? How can I take that and build my superpower? And for me, it was as long as I'm working on myself, then I can work with others. So, tell me a little bit about when you talk about. A lot of people feel broken. Yeah. What's it? What's a strategy or technique or what do you learn about in Ayurvedic medicine that tells you, "Hey." How do we start working on our broken self? We're broken. We that part?
0: Well, one of the most the the one of the most interesting frameworks for understanding reality that I've discovered in Ayurveda is this idea of the koshas, which is a word that means layers. And so you and I grew up probably very similarly. A lot of listeners grew up where we're like, we understand we're a physical body, we understand we have a mental body because we're trained to be good thinkers. We're rewarded financially for it you know we're all kind of super identified with our thinking brain uh, but we weren't trained to understand that we're anything else than thought, thinking brain and physical body. And so what Ayurveda says is that you have another body that's called your pranamaya kosha, or your energy body, which you're certainly aware of. Uh, and, and then you have other bodies. And then, and one of your other bodies that's actually beyond the energy body is called your vijnanamaya kosha, which means your intuitive body. And then on the outside of that, the bliss body. And so I was super intrigued. And what the ancient teachings say is that the energy body, light, sound, and vibration. <laughs> uh, the energy body is the, the the chariot that you ride to get to the soul. It's the gatekeeper between the physical reality and the reality of heart, the reality of soul, the reality of the timeless you that that, that never dies. And I was like, wow why aren't we taught in school how to work with our energy? We're not. Right. And, and so I began this 20 year quest to really understand the energy body in particular with the de- deep understanding through the ancient teachings that that is the pathway to access the intuitive body. And I'm like, okay, wait a minute. What is the intuitive body? Because I think we hear that word and we're like, Oh, trust your intuition. Well, What if you don't know the difference between your thinking, cognitive, limited beliefs, egoic mind, and your deep intuition? You know, and I I make the joke, like, your intuition is rarely going to tell you to, like, date someone that's bad for you or buy another handbag if you have credit card debt. Your intuition is always right, right? Your intuition is always right for you. And it's always going to work for the highest and best. And so I thought, wow, am I living from my deep intuition or I'm living from something else? And for me, the answer was a lot of time I'm living from the place of what the ancients called fear and seduction. You, know, you mentioned before that place of, a, in Buddhism we call 10,000 joys and sorrows. So that made me excited to really work with energy and to study with some of the great masters. One of my teachers lives on Oahu as well. And to... Work with energy as a way of bypassing the thinking brain, which I don't think is, it's its good for what it's good for, right? But it's not great on making soul level decisions. So that I'm going to swing back to what you asked me, which is the brokenness. And in tantra, which is not about mind blowing sex, although there's nothing wrong with that. I would love to have that as well. But Tantra is the word Tantra means to become expanded out of limitations through everything available in this life, be it herbs. We talked about supplements. Brain tap is a Tantric product. It is enabling us to expand. And so anything that enables us to move out of limitations is expansion. And from that perspective, the way in which we feel broken And messed up, our traumas, our painful parents, history, whatever it is, is actually blocking a limitless reservoir of energy. So when we're able to interface, you mentioned in our podcast before, Laya Yoga, the word Laya in the tradition I studied means to dissolve. And so if we can interface with the brokenness, with compassion, and without actually wanting it to change, that's the secret. Is we're not forcing the change on it, we're holding it in loving, compassionate presence. Ironically, being okay with it always being there and loving it a little bit, but not identifying with it enables it to to lie to dissolve, and then that energy can come through. And so, I think I've when I feel triggered, and I do get triggered all the time, you know, when somebody pisses me off, when things don't go my way, and they don't go my way most of the time. I Especially when I feel really triggered, I'm like, oh, this is a really juicy opportunity to do that energetic work to see what's behind there and and you know I'm sure you and I can talk more about what's behind there.
1: Yeah no, that's awesome. Now we were talking also about uh, the different uh, ways we get energy into our yeah. body. And a lot of people think the only way you get energy is to go get sugar or go get something to eat or go get some stimulating drink. Tell us a little bit about these, these energy bodies and other ways in which you, we've we talked about brain tap. We'll talk more about that at the end, but what are some ways that our listeners, when they think about, I mean, we even talked about, you know, holy, like you were going to call this book holy. So maybe you can tie that in because I think that I think what you said is very important because it's almost like when you love that troublemaker part of you, it t- it tames it. But it's, it's like a four, the subconscious is a fourth grader. It, it doesn't know how to think and act like everything else. And you like you said, I like to tell people it's, it's a great servant, but a, a terrible master. And so some people give away their power to it. So how do we empower ourselves with energy where we basically start acting or operating out of the soul level And it's not about what's good or bad, but what is, how do we do that for ourselves and and, and really expand? Like you're saying, I love the thought of the tantric, because I've never heard that before, that it's like this expanded self. And I I think that that's a pretty unique concept.
0: Anything that allows you to move beyond limitation. So you and I talked about brain tap, we talked about supplements, we talked, we could talk about relationships, sexuality, energy, but what the ancients say and what I've been working on with a mentor for the past five years, really closely, my mentor says she, with the biggest aura wins and it doesn't mean you win. Like it's a competition, but it's like, who has the most light is the person in the room. That's going to have the most effect on others. How do we get light? Brain tap is one of them, right? But the, there are other ways and you can certainly do them in tandem but one of my mentors mentors is Rosalind Brier and she used to say that uh, the solution to pollution is dilution and she was speaking about our energy most people do not know how to get grounded and why I wanted to work with you Dr Porter, and why I found you impressive when we met each other at the biohackers you know years ago, uh, was that you had you were, you were doing embodied meditations and you had us bring our energy down our body. And I was like, hallelujah. Like someone that understands that meditation needs to be an active process where we are as a human body in relationship to a, our physiology, but also the earth below us. So how do we get grounded? We don't get grounded just by walking around on the ground. We get grounded by the intentional movement of our attention into the ground. And then once we have our physiology grounded, meaning we have the ability to track our focus down our physiology, step-by-step, bit-by-bit, curious about what's blocked, curious about what's open, what feels numb, what feels open. We keep tracking that downward. It's like a light socket that you're plugging into the ground. That's the first part of getting energy. The second part is you actively enter into a relationship with the earth where now you pull it up. And this getting our energy down and then pulling it up is the basis of all energy practices in every traditional uh, uh, traditional spiritual practice throughout the whole planet. Go down and then bring it up. And then you can get crazy and take it horizontally. And you talked about heart math and the resonance and the chakras and they go in 360, but that's a little bit more advanced, right? If we could just help people get their energy moving down and then up, then then they have a place to start. So a lot of the work that I talk about in Glowworthy is working with the basics of energy medicine, down and up. And then from there, you have access to, well, I mean, at the end of the day, the energy is the soul, right? The energy is the soul. Right.
1: So I know you talk a lot in the book also about presence. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people are not present, right? Whether it be a conscious thing or an unconscious thing, uh, tell us a little bit about how how is a practice. How, is this what you're talking about here? Is having this presence like, like I tell people, you're not the only thing alive in the room. Everything is vibrating, teeming with energy. Right. You know, people, and you know, everything's connected, right? They're uh, in science. They they can't run the same mouse maze if if one mouse runs through it successfully all mice in the world know how to run that maze so if mice are connected with this residence this information residence and how do we break out of the maze in other words or the matrix however you want to think about it and find our own presence because a lot of people are just like the fish that's following the tribe and they don't know where they're going and i know that's a key to expand itself is to realize you're you're one but you're also many You know, you're you're infinite and you're finite, you know, and and a lot of people, they start separating themselves too early and they and then they pit themselves against other people. So what's your philosophy about that? That's
0: brilliant because, you know, Buddha said we're not enlightened until all of us are. It's the same as the mice and Atman equals Brahman. The soul of the individual at the end of the day equals divinity, Brahman. And it's not like, oh, I have an ego God complex. It's quite the contrary. You know, one of the hallmarks of the way the ego works, and you know more about the brain science of this, but the ego one of its hallmarks, one of the ways, you know, you're moving from your ego is separation. We feel different. We feel special. We feel superior than we feel inferior to. And I do that as a practice, you know, you and I like move in these circles where there's a lot of people who are really big and really important. And like one of my spiritual practices in those spaces, and everyone can do this at their job and social situations. It's like, just notice when the brain thought starts to go to, I'm better than or I'm worse than, because those are two sides of the same coin. And they're actually the opposite of reality. They're the opposite of truth. They are the opposite of science. And so that's one of the key, one one key practices to awakening what we would call that bodhisattva chitta, like the mind of the awakened one, is to watch the way that you feel separate. The other hallmark of the ego is that it feels like things are always going to be this way and and that's why i love your work too where it's like no you are you are limitless the capacity for the mind to actually perceive possibility doesn't exist when we're in the place of the ego. The ego's job is to solidify itself into the past and to a future with no other options. And so that's how we know we're in what we call, you know, the egoic consciousness and and not soul. Soul is limitless. Even if that means also not spiritually bypassing, right? Like you and I can both be expanded and aware that, you know, if I eat donuts, I'm going to have consequences. And and maybe you guys are going to work on this and change it. But at this moment, none of us are getting out of here alive. Like this, there is a finiteness to the physiology. And I think that, that being in that, what we would call darkness or being in that scary place of our limitations is the gold that actually enables us to open what I would call the heart. And, and the heart is actually the place of presence, I I always say, you know, one of my practices is just trying to get better at listening to people. People are starved. They want to talk so badly. You know this. People mm-hmm. want to talk. They want so badly to be heard. But and we could think about why that would be and it's because they don't have a place usually to be heard, but we are so so poor at being able to actually hear one another. That's presence. And if you can learn how to be present to yourself, it's a lot easier to be present with other people who can be annoying, (laughs) who can be wonderful and who can also be annoying. Right. And so that that the more I'm present with how annoying I am to myself, the more I can deal with everyone else.
1: Right. Yeah, I think it's important. I mean, when I trained therapists in my franchise, I used to tell them, you know, God made it pretty simple. Two ears, one mouth listen twice as much as you talk and you're getting people will give you the information the and I think you're right people have not been heard and so you know we were trained by mom and dad who didn't go to parent university so at some point we have to give up on that and retrain ourselves yes so part of that training process is doing that and you talk about a lot of people because they think of love is this or that they think love is. They confuse love. Maybe they were abused as a child, and then now they think that's love, and they were abused by love, and so they don't find love again. So, I know you talk about love, but what's your, what do you, what does the Vedas say about love, or the the doctrine that you've learned? Mm. And and how we enter into that, because I know you talk about that also in your book.
0: I'm so glad you asked me that. And it's such a it's a big question and a brave question. And I say in the book, I don't intend to give a definitive answer, of course. But in Ayurveda, in Ayurvedic medicine, the heart chakra, love, the center place, right, is space. It's spaciousness. So when our lungs get mucus, lungs are a part of the heart chakra. We have disease. And when our our heart gets heaviness, that's a disease, right? And so we can really tune to how uh, much love we are actually holding and capable of, right, in this moment by feeling into both physically sensations and energetically and emotionally. What is the um, openness and freedom? And and you can think about a vast blue sky, a, a weightless quality of space. That's the heart chakra. So in Ayurvedic medicine, one of the practices for having more love is to forgive anyone that you are still holding a grudge with. And and that makes the heart heavy, right? Or working with the heaviness of sadness. And it's not like we have to get rid of these things. They'll always come and go, but an empty heart has room for all of these things to do what emotions should do, which is move. And so love is the willingness. Another of my favorite definitions um, is it's the willingness to be with what is without conditions. So if you think about your wife or your boyfriend or whatever, like the people that we love the most, are we perceiving them through the eyes of the unconditional? No, we're not. We are thinking about what we want them to do and what we want them to say and how that we want them to show up. And essentially, to your point before, we are wanting them to give us the parenting that we didn't get. And from a brain perspective, that's a very immature developmental state of a child. That's one of the things I really learned while writing this book is what is love really? Right. And what I thought I was doing as love was actually asking people unconsciously to reparent me so i learned now how to parent myself and grow up and and now i feel like there's a lot more love in my heart and a lot more emptiness and when you have that heart emptiness ironically the vedas say you find that it's full
1: yeah, I think that, like you said, when when you raise your energy like that, and you're around people, and you and you do find that judgment happening when you have that empty heart, and you see, you realize there's enough space in this universe for us all. You know, it's not like uh, Katie's doing her thing; then I can't do this thing. You're doing your thing because it's necessary. Everyone out there, I believe, has a unique <laughs> skill or ability. So um, you talk about when you're finding your inner light, right, mm-hmm. in the book. So. Give us some tips on what they can do. Cause a lot of people are out there, they have their purposelessness. Yeah. They don't have, they don't have a purpose. They think their 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 whole existence is get up like the old, the old show about make the donuts, you know, time to make the donuts. They do that and then they come home, they stop by and get their six pack of beer, they sit in their recliner, they watch the news, they watch a few sitcoms, they're passed out, they yeah. get up, they rinse and repeat. Yeah. What what is it, what spark, cause. Usually, if the universe wants you to do something, they're going to make your life miserable till they get you to that movement. But uh, what do you find if, if people want to accelerate it? You know, we can you don't have to have a breakdown to have a breakthrough. In other words, you can have a breakthrough without that. What have you found?
0: I just did. A amen. Hallelujah. On that one, Dr. Porter, please, God, may we not have to only learn through breakdowns, right. <laughs> although we usually do learn the most from those. Yeah. Well, I want to hold a lot of love for all our friends out there in the recliners with the beers and the donuts. And I told you in our podcast, when you are on my show, I love Judge Judy and I love to recline, you know? And so there are moments for that, but I, I understand you, the spark can be like, I, I think of there's so many ways, but one of the ways we, we can go there is through an ancient tantric meditation called Smarana Shakti. Smarana means to remember and Shakti is the power of, so the power of remembrance What are we remembering? We can be sitting there with our beer and our recliner, but we can take a moment and remember a time in your life when you did feel loved when you did feel like you, your life had meaning and purpose. And if you give people that exercise, what they'll often come back and say is, oh yeah, like I remember I was in the army and I was with my guys and we were fighting for a good cause." Like they'll have a memory of a time when they felt really connected. Oh, I was hiking and I came upon the sunrise or whatever it is. And you can use that to start to have the physiology even have a memory of what it's like to not be in stagnation. So that's a great practice, Smarana Shakti. The other thing is um, prayer, visualization, petition, propitiation. So what does that mean? It means like you, I have my morning practice. I got a new puppy. So it's kind of messed up my life a little bit, but <laughs> she's getting older. Um, you know, if you, my teacher used to say, if you want to really know what love is, get married, have a baby and get a puppy, you know, and so you're just really having to do hardcore tantric practice. Um, but my practice is to pray and to really ask guide spirit to be with me. Tell me how, you know, I wrote a book, love the book. I hate to travel. Right. But I, but I said, look, if, if I'm meant to travel for this book, I'll do it. What am I meant to do to serve the planet? What am I meant to give me, show me, teach me, give me a vision of what I'm, what I'm meant to do to serve. Right. And, and those opportunities will start to come. Spirit will tell you the synchronicities will happen. And, and when I'm serving, I'm in the spark. And I think we can, I I include myself in this. We can get so caught in our own needs and wants and desires that if we actually start to serve other people, spark is going to be in abundance.
1: Right. No, that's awesome. Now, one of the things that I've noticed just counseling people for 30 years, um, I'm not in practice anymore. I just do the brain tap. But when I was, people would come and as soon as one person starts to grow and develop, the other one doesn't, it seems like, yeah. you know, a, a lot of the people would be getting separated, they're not together. And the the old saying that you shouldn't look into each other's eyes, but look in the direction if you're both moving in the same direction, if people are growing apart. Mm-hmm. What do you find? I mean, because a lot of people think, oh, you know, I was brought up Catholic. So obviously you're supposed to stay married the whole your whole life. But I got divorced after a year with my my first wife. Now, I've been married for 33 years now. But the uh, I I'm one of those guys. I I like to fail fast and, and get over it, you know, and, uh, you know. So but what would you say to somebody? Because a lot of people, they they might feel that growth. And then your whole world's going to change, right? So tell us a little bit of what, how that happens and what the what your practice tells you about that.
0: You mean in terms of couples?
1: Yes. Mm-hmm.
0: So what happens when you are growing and expanding, and your partner may not be going at the same rate? Or yeah, I mean, I'm the worst. I, I I'm. I'm like a weirdo that's been able to do armchair psychology, having, I, I, I'm I'm not married, right? And one of the definitions of the yogini is that she who sits on the outskirts of culture, she who's in the forest on the outside of town, so she can come to the town and, and give information. I feel like that's kind of been my role thus far. And- Oftentimes the wise old women of the community wouldn't be married. They wouldn't be right in these like monks and nuns. And so I, I want to just say, first and foremost, I'm not married. (laughs) And so I'm probably the worst person to ask this question, but what I can say is because of that advantage point, I've been able to observe and to, and to kind of build up the teachings around it. It's really hard to see water when you're swimming inside of it. And from my observation, my own experience as well, it's okay if you aren't growing at the same rate as your partner. If you have love and respect, that's all that really matters. And I say that to a lot of my students who come, who join our program, and they're like, oh my God, this is changing my life. You've seen it, I'm sure too, where people are growing in leaps and bounds. They're having their mind expanded, their energy's changing, and their partner's just not that into it. What do we do? Right. And I think they don't have to be on the same journey as long as they're supportive of your journey. Mm -hmm. I think there's this false idea that we're all going to be on this tantric path together when, in fact, in ancient tantric practices, your teacher would when you got to a certain advanced level of tantric practice, your teacher would then tell you to get married. It would. And then he would say and you have to stay in the same hut with them. And I don't want you to be more than 20 feet away from each other at any point in time, because the marriage was the exact thing you needed to reveal to you all of the parts of you that were being projected onto them. So you could go the tantric route and say, okay, all this stuff I don't like about my partner is actually projection. I can use that to look at my own inner demons and, or sometimes it's not the right fit. And I think like I grew up Southern Baptist, you don't get divorced, right? And I think this is a real travesty of our society where the expectation that you would be growing with the same and evolving with the same person for an entire lifetime, we're beginning to see that may or may not have some validity. I mean, I can go either way with it. You can go right-handed or left-handed on that one. Right,
1: yeah. So when when we're thinking about just giving somebody who's never heard of this practice before, because I'm sure with brain tap Nation, we're going to be hitting a lot of people. Some people are totally, they're probably wondering, well, what's Dr. Porter doing to about this stuff, you know, or whatever, but they, uh, you know, everything we do is based in, steeped in ancient tradition. Everything. So when you see how you translate this, in ancient traditions, like you're saying, they might not even get married till they get to this certain point, but. People here are already experiencing it. What if they, uh, a lot of people are, are actually, some of their wounds come from their spiritual practice or what they yeah. perceive as their spiritual practice. What do you recommend for them?
0: Mm, I I have, a, I have a lot of compassion for that. And I understand that, you know, my teacher says that when we have, a, when we're coming with a lot of trauma, and it's unprocessed and unpacked, we can actually be attracted to spiritual teachers or teachings that might be reinforcing the very traumas or karmas, as we would call them, that we are attempting to liberate ourselves from. And so I think it's really important to take spiritual sovereignty as number one. I think you and I agree on this. And and that the only guru that I'm interested in is the one that we can access through our own heart, through our own practice. And so a real teacher is someone who's actually teaching you from a place of deep respect and compassion with zero attachment to you. Zero. Your teacher shouldn't have any attachment to you. And when you and but you will typically be attached to your teacher, and that can be quite healthy, right? But we should actually be empowering students through these practices to to become more self sufficient and less reliant. That's awesome.
1: So, what do you see out there? Because I I know I, I see you at the biohacking. You're hanging out with you know everybody who's there. We we put together a biohacking bundle. You know where you're you're part of that as well. What do you see as the conversation out there? Because it looks to me, and I've been in this field for a long time, that science is becoming more spiritual and spirituality is becoming more science based. Where do you see it going? Cause I mean, you're hanging out with people that might not have any spiritual bent, but yeah. once you start telling them, they, they start lighting up. What, totally. what do you think that's happening there?
0: Well, we humans are funny and we like to separate things. And we, so t- we talk about the mind body connection. We talk about science and heart and spirituality as if they're these separate boxes. We created the boxes and I'm hanging out with the biohackers. You know, I used to teach at the yoga journal conferences and now I'm hanging out with the biohackers and I and, and I wonder why as well. But it's because I think, you know, I taught a workshop at at the Dave Asprey's last conference called Ayurveda is the original biohack. I think that I think these biohacker guys and gals are the are reincarnated yogis and that we're using the technology to try to upgrade the physiology during a particular time that the ancients predicted called the Kali Yuga, which means the age of chaos and banana sandwich. Like it is so hard not to have a toxic body that we're we are swimming in it. Right. And so I see you guys as the ancient yogis reincarnated. I don't care if people don't have a spiritual practice, but if you keep doing, using these technologies and biohacks, eventually you'll probably get there because the different layers of your consciousness start to open. It's just an end result of going deeper and deeper and deeper into, if you go deep enough into science, you're going to have a spiritual epiphany as Einstein said, right? And similarly, If you keep going into spirituality, you know, I had my my background is in artificial intelligence, but I thought, man, this is so whack. It's not the whole story. If I if I keep going enough far enough into spirituality, I'll find the best of science. I think currently the reason I'm interested in hanging out with a lot of scientists is our communities speak that language. If I come and I start talking about dolphins and rainbows and gummy drops, like people can't hear me. We have to learn one another's language. And we have a year long program in called Ayurveda School. And we have a ton of doctors. We have a ton of nurses. We have a ton of vets, right? Who have like gone down the army route. And now they're looking for their femininity, you know? And so, and what we hear from doctors and nurses in our program is, oh my God, every hospital in america needs ancient ayurveda and i say to them yes and ayurveda needs modern science we need one another on that note i just really want to say i take supplements i use brain tap i do infrared sauna i am i am all about the vitamix you know and i used to get letters from these like traditional ayurveda fundamentalists who'd be like oh you're ruining ayurveda because you're talking about the vitamix and i'm like wait a minute I am the reincarnation of thousands of years of humanity. And let me tell you, if you would have popped out of Vitamix into ancient India 3,000 years ago, they would have used it. <laughs> yeah. I just think we're we're continually evolving this. And one more thing on that note, the ancient Trakasamita written one of the earliest human texts ever known says, these teachings must be adapted for the time and the place and the people in which they are being presented. If they aren't adapted, they will not be understood and they will be poisonous. So I think we have a duty to do what our ancient Indian foremothers and forefathers and not just India, all of our ancestral lines have traditional wisdom, shamanic wisdom. We've got to update it and make it relevant for, you know, Jenny sitting in her house in West Virginia or whoever, right? And that's what I'm, that's my mission.
1: No, that's, that's right in line with my mission. That's what I think. You know, I tell people ancient traditions, modern technology, we have to, we have to bring it up to date. And and when I travel India, it's really great because I got to speak in front of 75,000 people there at one event. And I was talking about meditation and, you know, to go to India and talk about meditation. Right. But what I showed them was I was able to, it was a heart, a heartfelt meditation in the Guru Daji. They were measuring the people actually sending the energy. To the other people, and what we found was the people sending the energy got better results than the people receiving it. So my point to him was, when we do those practices, even though we're the more you give away, the more you get, and as soon as the world realizes that, and when we were able to measure it, that's when Daji said, "You got to come and speak in front of our, you know, our big congregation and show them the science." And so Dr. Vivek Sharma and I got a chance to to speak. It was it was pretty impactful and then now with what's going on with Ames Bhopal they're showing the same thing they're very interested in uh because they they used to have a Ayurvedic hospital in Bhopal and their allopathic hospital they were separate they're on the same campus Mm -hmm. and now what they're doing is they're including they're doing both things now so I said why would you separate them I mean this is And it's just because that's the way it used to be. If you were doing this, you were doing this, but you can have the best of both worlds. I believe that is very true. So where do you see all this going? We're talking about because we're focusing, all of this goes into building a better brain, really, because in order to do all these things, if you, you know, the the Maslow's, uh, his hierarchy of needs, if you're out there in survivor mode you can't do any of these things. So we got to get our brain working right. And that's why we encouraged you to to create a series for us in relationships, because I I believe a lot of our stress comes from unhealed relationships, right? And, And people not knowing what to do and becoming too stressed about it. So tell us a little bit about you know, I'm, hopefully, we're going to get some more sessions from you on different topics. But tell us a little bit about the series you have in Brain Tap. So, those listening go, Hey, I really love what Katie's saying. Where can I learn more? Obviously, they can buy your book, which we'll have there. We're going to put your Instagram and followings, all the social media. But tell us a little bit, those Brain Tappers that have the app can go listen to you right now. So tell them a little bit about what they could experience. So
0: I have to tell you, I really do want to come back and do more for brain tap because I've been doing my own meditations on brain tap, which is really weird. And I've never done that before. And I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm not like trying to blow my own horn, but they're really good. and, And they're so sweet. And the central focus of my brain tap meditations is learning how to have a deep relationship to your own body, to your own energy, to your own heart. And then the way that that enables us to actually be in relationship with anyone else. The whole thing is you to you. My teacher says you to you, then you to the divine, and then you to everyone else. And if we get that, we got to have a connection to ourselves. And when we are in presence with our own self, that becomes the portal through which we receive divine guidance. My teacher in India used to say, you have to take the first step, but the divine will take a thousand towards you. You have to take the first one, though. And that's, you know, free will. And so, um, yeah, the brain tap meditations are really special. You and I actually worked on them together to create the music and the and the binaural beats and the frequencies, which is your area of expertise. And I actually got a couple of text messages after the biohacking events from big, strong, powerful men in suits. And they were like, I started crying when I was doing your heart meditation. (laughs) That was like really sweet feedback to hear these these guys getting in touch with their their softness. And their masculinity, which I'm a big fan of.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think people misunderstand spirituality. You know, Arjuna was a warrior too. So I mean, they 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 just don't know. So where do you think this is all going? Where do you see the the future of what you're doing and in the world and the layouts? Where we when we if we could teleport to five years, ten years in the future, what's Katie going to be up to?
0: (laughs) Oh, I'm very clear where I'll be. I don't know where everyone else will be, but I made a commitment three years ago. I I did a vow and that was I am committed for the rest of my life to being totally dedicated to the removal of unnecessary fear in my body and my heart and my mind. Unnecessary fear. Some fear is necessary. And I took that vow and and that's where I'm going I think we live in a time of of, we think we live in a time of unprecedented pain and suffering. But if you read history, you know, we humans have been suffering (laughs) for thousands of years. And I think uh, there will be pain and suffering in the future, of course. And Ayurveda says that the best thing one can do is to build one's resilience. So that's just what I'm trying to do. Excellent.
1: That's actually the topic of some of my talks I'm doing this year is... um, Mindset is, there's more to resilience than mindset. So, you know, that's part of it. <clears throat> and I think it's important because right now people don't realize you're going to have setbacks. You're going to have failures. You're going to have, these are all learned things that we do and um, <clears throat> that we are designed to learn through stress. If we, they, they actually, one of the other experiments that I thought was very interesting is they gave mice everything they needed. They didn't have to move. They could go to the bathroom, eat, whatever they wanted. No, they died. They didn't last. And, you know, so in the, the, even mice need a purpose. We need a purpose, we need a reason for being. We need a, you know, and I think part of our reason to be is to find out what we're supposed to be sharing with the world, just like a photon that is shared through the body through photobiomodulation. Once your energy is full, it has to share with the cell next to it. The wow. same is true with you as an individual. We have a community. If we build up our energy, we pass that on to other people and it it happens unconsciously. So I want to thank you for being part of one of our, our first season of doing the brain fitness podcast. We hope to have you back. Cause I know you have a lot more to share and I know that, uh, People are going to want to learn about it. Go get the glow book, go follow you, get your first book as well. Nobody, everybody wants to have those happy, uh, healthy experiences that you talk about. And I think it's, you've got a lot to learn and share, but what have I forgot to ask you that you would, you feel like the audience needs to hear from you or that that we've neglected to talk about, is there anything or just reinforce a key concept?
0: Well, I, I want to say, thank you so much. I love being a part of your community And there's nothing that you forgot. I think a great way of closing is just for all of us to remember the Vedas, what I've studied, what you've studied, our ancient foremothers and forefathers. The reason I'm so passionate about the Vedas is one of the oldest written religious spiritual texts on the planet. It's been conserved and preserved. And 5,000 years is a long time to get it right and to keep wanting to lean into it. And they say in this text, silence cures all. I think that would be a great place to end.
1: Awesome. I love it. Uh, Be still and know God. That's what they say even in the Bible. So it's very good, very good advice. Excellent. And I want to thank you for being part of this. I look forward to seeing you at the biohacking conference here in a little bit. And so those of you listening, please tune in next week. Please share, like, get this out to everyone you know. We live in an energy economy. Right now, if we can raise our energy... We're gonna have higher vibrational thoughts, activities, our brain's gonna function better. We're gonna have more love in the world because remember, we wanna be with gainers, not drainers. And so I'm your host, Dr. Patrick Porter, bringing to you the world's greatest minds to help you to better your brain on a way to bettering a billion brains. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on our mission to better a billion brains. Follow at Porter on social media for updates and remember to practice brain fitness every day.